Welcome to episode 48 of the Point of Pittsburgh podcast. My name is Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Steve, uh, your world champion Texas Rangers. World champion Austin Hedges. Let's yes. let's get it let's get one thing right. The I bet Minister he doesn't I bet he doesn't Rana? give a crap about anybody booing him in Pittsburgh at this point, right? That's right. He can't hear him with all those rings in his ears. Can't. Yeah. So that's that. Uh well, let's start off as we've been doing recently with where'd you eat last week? Um you wanna go first? Yeah, sure. So um I'm going to pick an old favorite spot of mine. Um, Last Friday, I had a hankering for uh, Korean fried chicken. So um, I thought Ki Poyo had closed, um, and I thought Ki Ramen had closed. It just turns out that the two sort of merged into one thing and now are called Nanban. So um, Hmm. I'm sure you've been to this place before, right? No, no, I have not. Really? Okay. Well, you you were never there as Ki Poyo or Ki Ramen in, uh, on Butler oh, yeah, Street? Yeah. No, I haven't been to this merged one that you're talking about. Okay. So it's I think it's basically like parts of both menus. Like I think they have basically the whole Ki Poyo menu, but then they have – like so they still have the empanadas and they still have all the fried chicken and stuff. Um, but then they, they have the Ki Ramen dishes here as well. So it's like – you know, they, it's like they had a baby, you know? So uh, – but no, I, it was good. It was really good. I, I mean, it's, um, you know, one of the things that I was, like, concerned about coming back east was losing, you know, good Asian food. And and while this was not, you know, perfect, it was still really good, super crispy Korean fried chicken. Uh, you know, I would have liked the sauce to have been applied right to the chicken. I think that's more correct. But other than that, I mean, like, you know, the breading was flavorful. Breading was super crispy. You know the sauce was good. I got the soy um, soy ginger ginger glaze as as one ought to when they're getting Korean fried chicken. Um, but we've been finding our spots, man. I've I've been pretty pleasantly. You know, I, it wasn't as bad. I guess the the it's not that I it's not that I ever thought that the Asian food scene in Pittsburgh was bad. It's just I I it's I kind of it was just so good out west and I I didn't think it would, you know, pale or I thought it would pale in comparison. And it's been pretty solid. I I've been happy. And and this was this was a nice nice treat, you know. Well, we're going to continue the Asian theme. Uh I had the chance to go to Chengdu Gourmet, which you talked about. Yeah. A few weeks ago and uh, made it down there, had a business lunch. Uh, I perused the Szechuan menu. Um, There were definitely some interesting things. Uh, I have to say I'm probably not game for the pork blood with intestines. Uh, But if I were properly talked into it, I had my eye on that sea cucumber. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That is, yeah. um, that's not, I, sea cucumber is not something I feel like I would order in Pittsburgh, though. You know what I mean? Like, you, when you're that far from the sea, do you really want cucumber? I don't know. Sea cucumber, that know. is. But I went with, uh, technically it was off the Szechuan, but it was on the, the lunch menu. I went with a double smoked pork belly mm. that was delightful, served over some cabbage. 
Wow. Yeah. That's 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 good ordering right there. Like I had the pork belly, but I had the like extra spicy Szechuan, you know, sort of style, you know, the with just loaded up with the the the, the pepper flakes, but double smoked man, that sounds that sounds great. Yes, it was. So yeah, it sounds like we uh both went to the uh Far East without leaving Pittsburgh and that's that's nice. It's nice to be able to say that those are the type of uh quality restaurants that are here now. So that's nice. Um okay, well back to baseball. Uh Steve, we talked a lot last week about how to improve the pirates. We spent a lot of Uncle Bob's money and I think we have to use Occam's razor on this one. We can make the Pirates World Series champions in one move. Would you like to hear it? Okay, go. The Pirates just need to sign Will Smith. And I don't mean, don't talk about my wife that way, Kapow Will Smith. Yeah. I'm referring to the left-handed reliever Will Smith. Um, Because he has been a World Series champion now for the past three years with three different teams. Hmm. He's been with the Astros, the Braves, and now the Rangers. And lo and behold, he's a free agent. That's all I'm saying. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'll try, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll try anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pirates hemorrhaged money on Austin Hedges, got rid of him and he got a World Series ring. So that's right. They can kick in some cash for Will Smith. So, um, we, we did actually have, we're recording this on Thursday, the second, uh, we actually do have some pirate news to talk about. Uh, they did not waste time in putting some folks on waivers and making a couple trades. Um, I, I, I know you're, I hope you're sitting down. I know you're going to take this one a little hard, but, uh, Steve, Vinny Capra is no longer on the on the roster. So I'm not surprised that he's gone by any stretch of the imagination. I am not surprised that he's gone, but I am surprised. I'm shocked. Shocked. I say that another team actually picked him up and added him to their 40 man. So he, he went to the brewers, which is like fantastic. Like, I, I mean, I don't see them making it through the entire off season, but my goodness, like, you know, we, we, we gave, you know, we, we, jettison dead weight and someone else picked it up in our own division like we (laughs) we you know we got better or the pirates got better by opening up a roster spot and and (laughs) and a divisional rival got worse by just sucking him up and you know throwing it away you know throwing away their 40-man roster spot so it's 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 just a huge win-win for the pirates this this might be better than signing Will Smith, in my humble opinion. Wow. Okay. Uh, next up on the waiver block was Alfonso Rivas. Also not a surprise by any imagination. Yeah, it kind of it kind of stinks. I mean, this is a guy that um, you know you 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 hate to see guys that you got as a veteran presence. Um, you hate to see them be jettisoned, you know, that quickly, you know, because it, it clearly just didn't work out for him, you know. So um, I'm not surprised that it happened, like you were saying, but at the same time, 
you know, I, I am, it's a little disappointing, I guess, just because they're in the situation that they're in where they felt compelled to cut him. Yeah, he didn't really do too much. I think he was purely just a get-us-through-the-season guy for me. Um, so, you know, no real no real long-term feelings on this one for me. Sure. Um, sure. I don't want to say this one is a surprise because he's had some injury issues and he was um, not good, but Cody Bolton has been traded to the Mariners for the always popular cash considerations. Uh, any thoughts there? Cash Considerations had a really good year last year in Double A, so I, I think that they could be breaking out this season. You know, um, yes. yeah. I mean, no, I, I'm fine with this. I, I, you know, would I have preferred they actually get a real player for him? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, I mean, even if it's just swapping, you know, forty man roster surplus, you know. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather that, but I mean, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, I didn't really want to see leave for nothing. And I guess he's not leaving for nothing now, even though it's pretty darn close to nothing. It's certainly almost nothing from a fan's perspective. Um, you know, so, but it, it's a little disappointing. I mean, we, you know, you in particular were pretty fanboy on him last off season, but I, I always liked him and I was certainly rooting for him and, and I root for anybody that's, you know, a 10 plus round draft pick and coming back from Tommy John surgery. So it, it's, I'm sad to see him go, but I'm not, again, I'm not super surprised, um, but there are other people that I would have preferred to see go that are in bullpen roles. Thomas, actually. Yeah, I think this is, uh, and, and we're going to touch on Tucapita Marcano as well. He was traded back to the Padres. Uh, it just feels like they this is the first wave of cuts to get the 60-man roster guys um, back on the potential 40-man um, roster. And, sure. And then they're you know, obviously do the reevaluation ahead of the, the Rule 5 draft coming up in December. Yeah, there's still more cuts to come here. And and mm-hmm. for all we know, there's been other guys that have been waived because um, uh, I, 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 you know, and, and that are just not claimed. Like, for all we know, Thomas Hatch has been uh, jettisoned. You know, they, you know, it's it's not something that's necessarily... If if every team talked about their you know postseason waivers the first day out of the uh, into the off season, like it would just be like nonstop. Like the the poor people at at MLB trade rumors would just like their their fingers would literally fall off. They'd just be calloused. You know, uh, carpal tunnel rates would just go through the roof. You know, so I, I mean it's done on the down low, and as and Ethan Hulahan pointed it out to us uh, to me earlier on Twitter that that's the case that you don't actually have to, um, you don't actually have to declare that you're putting somebody on waivers. You do, I guess you do when they they're DFA'd, but these guys aren't necessarily being DFA'd. They're just basically being waived at this point, uh, you know. And and there might still be other guys. Uh, these are just the ones that got claimed or traded yep. for. So we, you know, I talked about it very briefly, but Tukapita going back out west, um, it it just didn't work out for him. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and I feel badly for him um, because it it seemed like he was sort of getting there, um, and and I think that he still has some upside, um, and I think that he still could put it together. He's still really really young, um, you know. But at this point, uh, it's it, it is really hard to see him being much more than a backup middle infielder at best at this point like I think he'll putt around and eventually get to like you know maybe like arm one or two with a team uh but you know for right now uh I just uh I I mean I I see the rationale for for moving on I don't love it you know but I I see the rationale yeah I I mean we we've talked about this a bunch but they just have a middle infielder glut, yeah. and uh, you know there, there's going to be a couple other moves being made. I I predict. So, um, well, we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit here, um, mostly because it's just that time of year. It's a little bit of a dead time. We're going to go in a different direction here and go with another one of Steve's passions besides. Korean fried chicken and the pirates. Uh, and that is Duquesne Dukes basketball. Um, what I kind of wanted to clear the, clear the lane for you in your parlance and have you talk about, uh, what should be a pretty good Duquesne Dukes men's basketball season coming up this year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is the most veteran team that I'm aware of that Duquesne has, has ever carried. I think they've got like, I think it's six or seven guys that are considered either seniors or graduate students on the team. Um, it's like, I, I think I saw a stat today that there's like 470 games of like experience on this team. I, I'm used to the Dukes not having much in terms of experience. It always feels like they're trying to get by on freshmen and sophomores and, you know, folks either don't work out or, you know, they transfer um, and, and then the, the, a handful stick it out. But it's usually not enough of a critical mass of older players that they can, like, seriously threaten the, you know, to take the uh, uh, to take the conference or, you know, uh, to, to sort of stay in that, you know, to, to put themselves in a really good position to win uh, the Atlantic 10 tournament. Um, but this year, man, they, they really went out and, uh, you know, there's, there's big turnover again this season as there has been, you know, in recent years past, it's been one of the most difficult things about being a Duquesne fan. And there's a sense that you really don't develop much of a connection with these players. And I think that's, I, I think that that is true for a lot of players that are, um, I think it's true for a lot of players that are in out there right now or a lot of teams out there right now because of the changes to the transfer rules where there's no, you know, the first time you transfer, you don't have to sit out. And really, that is, they've been pretty loose about the second transfers, you know, being having to sit out as well, too. Um, you know, that being said... Um, when a guy did come to Duquesne and stuck around for four years, you really felt like um, 
you really felt like that was a guy that, you know, you were super comfortable with, um, you know, and, and it's just, it just a level of familiarity that I just haven't had with any of the players in this team for a little while. So, um, but I do, I do think this team should compete for the Atlantic 10 title. I think they should get a buy in the Atlantic 10 tournament. I think they should finish in the top three. Um, it, you know, I, I think that Dayton's probably the clear favorite at this point. I think that, you know, second place, you know, is, you know, really the Dukes have a chance at, at second place. I mean, they have a chance to win it outright, though, too. But, um, you know, I, but I do think that, you know, it's going to be a mix of, of Duquesne, St. Bonaventure and VCU probably for that second spot, uh, really. Uh, and, and again, all four teams are really in the mix for the championship. Um, but I do think the, the Dukes will probably edge out one of those teams. My prediction will be they, they finish in second or third in the conference. Um, this is a team that has a chance to go to the NCAA tournament, even as a, even as an at-large. Um, I think if, if, if things fall in line, uh, very well, uh, I think that they have a chance of being that team. Uh, but I also think that um, I, I think that the floor for this team should absolutely be the NIT, uh, and that would be it. Would be pretty disappointing for me if they don't make the NIT. What's their uh, What's their non conference look like this year? Because that's kind of been a weak point for this team, and that's what's kind of affected their strength of schedule in recent years, right? Yeah, no. So it is. Um, it's gotten better. Uh, I mean, that's, they've got a tough schedule, but I mean, as, as you, as, as a team improve, you know, you're going to, um, you know, your competition, the teams that are willing to play you non-conference are going to improve as well. Uh, second game of the year, they have a big game against College of Charleston. Uh, they should be, they and the Dukes should be, you know, considered, you know, top 15 uh, mid-major programs you know, uh, during the course of this year. So these are, these are two of the better mid-major programs in, in the country, uh, going head to head. So, um, you know, that should be, so, so the way that you rate your schedule in the, in the NCAA is you've got quad win, one wins, you've got quad two wins. And those are the, those are the, the areas that you really want to sort of live in. Um, and, and you want to accumulate those wins because they really, they, they carry, winning those sorts of games carries extra weight by selection committees. You want to avoid losses to Q3 and Q4 teams because that hurts your resume. Um, the College of Charleston game, I think, should be, you know, it's, it's at a neutral site. It's in Annapolis, Maryland. It should be, uh, it should be a Q2 win when it's all said and done. So that's a good that's a good game potentially. So they also play Princeton and that's a nice name game. They play them at home on November the 15th. But that being said, that's um that's not as strong of a game because it is at home. So like you know, so so the way the way that those are weighted, uh even though this is a really good team, it's probably going to be a, a really tough Q3 game um that's really not going to help the resume all that much even if it is, you know, a, a team that might be interesting for fans to see play. But it won't help the resume as much, and it could it has potential to hurt. So I, I'm not a huge fan of that game. Uh, they have Nebraska, UC, uh, you know, after that they have a, a stretch of Nebraska, UC Irvine, and 
and Marshall and all of those games. The UC Irvine game is, is going to be, again, it's going to be similar to the Princeton game. Tough team, probably not likely to be better than a Q3. Uh, the, the Nebraska game should be a Q1 because that's a true road game. They're going to Lincoln for that one. Uh, the Marshall game should be a Q2. That they, Marshall lost a lot, but they should still have a, a pretty decent team on the field. And that's, that's also a true road game. They're going to Huntington for, Huntington for that one. Um, I almost, I, I like over-enunciated hunting, Huntington. It just didn't sound right. You know, it sounded like way too proper for West Virginia. So, um, so they have that one. Um, they have that one on the December 6th and that could be a Q2 as well. Um, you know, the Bradley where they're playing at, uh, LeBron James arena in Akron, Ohio, which is an annual game for them. Uh, that's a good game that has a potential to be a Q2 Santa Clara. They're playing them the, the very next day, two days before Christmas on the road in Las Vegas or not on the road in a neutral site in Las Vegas. Again, that one has a chance to be Q2. So, I mean, so that's your non-conference schedule. So, I mean, like really, I think there's four potential Q2 games that they are, that they have there. And then you have um, Nebraska, which is probably a Q1 I, one of those Q2 games that I mentioned is probably going to fall out and not be one. So they'll probably have one Q1 and one and three Q2s. So that's not that's not a great schedule, but it's a foundation. Uh, but, you know, the, the challenge is, though, is that they're going to have those two really tough home Q3s that are really must-win games. That, that Princeton game and that UC Irvine game are both must-wins, in, in my humble opinion, especially if they want to make any kind of a run at the NCAA tournament, you know, in an at-large bid. So just just very briefly, tell me again who you have as the top three in the A-10. Okay, so it's it's going to be – Dayton's probably a clear fit in there. Um, and then you have VCU, St. Bonaventure, and then Duquesne. They're all going to be in the mix. Okay. So, um, so the good news is – Here's uh, why I asked. Fav- oh, good. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, your mileage may vary on a10talk.com, but they had a very surprising team at number one. Uh, they had Fordham. At yeah, I don't buy one. that at all. Yeah. Now, Fordham had a really nice year last year. Yeah. If Fordham's, uh, come, if Fordham's come on, they're not the doormat that they once were. Right. But that still seemed bold cotton, you know? I don't know what the basis for that is. And I, I mean, I haven't read um, I haven't read anything that really rates them that highly. Uh, the one other team, though, that I do see included in the top five or, you know, that, that does weasel their way into the top four that isn't of the group that I mentioned is St. Joe's. Um, they have a really solid incoming recruiting class. I, I'm totally blanking on his name, but they've got a kid that was uh, that's probably going to be in the running for conference player of the year this year. Um, so I mean, I you know he's he's young too. I think he's a he's going to be a junior this season. So um, yeah, I, I mean they, um, they, they you know so J- St. Joe's is if there's going to be somebody that plays spoiler, I think it'll be Eric St. Joe's. Reynolds. Uh, yeah, I think yeah that sounds right. Okay. So, um, the good news with scheduling is, is of those top four teams, 
uh, that I'm talking about. You know, Duquesne obviously doesn't get to play themselves, but they do get to play Dayton twice, and they do get to play St. Bonaventure twice. So, um, you know, that, you know, as long as both of those teams are carrying, as long as they are in the top 75 of... As long as as long as those teams are in the top seventy five of of college of, of the net rankings, those are those are going to be four potentially quality games that the Dukes are going to play. So I mean, they're both. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. It's it's good in the sense that they get to play those games, um, you know. But it it does stink in the sense that those are two of the tougher road environments to play in. Uh, and the Dukes have to do; they have to go to both places. So it, it might hurt them in the standings, but it might be a benefit for them in terms of net and their resume. Uh, you know, especially if they can, especially if they can split those games. You know, if they can, if both of those teams are in the top seventy-five, and the Dukes can win at home, and they can, you know, it doesn't really matter if they lose those games on the road. If they can, if they can hold serve those and go two and two in those games, it, it'll look good for them. Mm-hmm. So. Who who's going to be your uh, Duke's MVP, and who's going to be your Duke's newcomer of the year? Um, it'll probably be Day Day Grant as far as the MVP goes. I, I think right. that you know he's um, he's a, a first team All Conference potential player this season. Um, he's a prolific scorer, great shooter. Um, you know, just just good all around good all-around dude. Uh, and, and I think that he's probably probably the guy that comes out as, as the MVP. Uh, as far as the newcomers go, I've heard a lot of good things about a, a number of them. Uh, Andre Savrasov uh, just got some press as one of the most under-the-radar under the uh, transfers in the country. He was at Georgia Southern last year. He's, uh, he's from Russia. Uh, 6'7 forward that probably plays more like a wing uh, than he does like a power forward. So, I mean, he's he's pretty versatile offensive player. Um, really good contributor. I believe he led Georgia Southern in 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 points last season. They weren't really a good team, uh, but, he, you know, he's, he's a potentially very good piece there. Um, the other, and I lean towards him as, the, as that because he's going to be healthy the whole season. The guy who I actually think is going to have the biggest impact, but he's going to be injured for the first like month or so of the seasons, uh, is, is Dusan Mahorsek. Um, he's a uh, 6'10 uh, grad transfer from he, – he's originally from Belgrade, um, but he is he, – he played for uh, the – he played for NC, NC State last year. So, um, you know, not huge numbers, but – you know, really solid numbers for the ACC that usually play up once you move to the Atlantic 10. So if he gets himself fully healthy, like he's going to be a load in the paint in the Atlantic 10. Like I think he was seven plus points. I think he was like six plus rebounds. Like it's, I don't think it's crazy to think that this is going to be like a 10-10 guy, um, you know, where he's going to average a double-double, you know, if he's getting the minutes. Again, he might not be healthy to carry the minutes that it's going to take for that, but if he is, like, he's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to balance the team probably better than any big man that they've had in quite some time. So he's going to be really, really good. Like, both of those guys are under the radar. Um, 
you know, as far as freshman goes, I, I've heard good things about, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce his name, and all these guys are, you know, <laughs> they, they, they loaded up on dudes from Europe this year, but Jacob Nikos is uh, a freshman, true freshman from the Czech Republic, or Chechia, or whatever the heck they're calling themselves these days. Um, but he's a 6'8 forward that really, it sounds like he can pretty much play anywhere on the on the floor. Um, so I, I'm really interested. He's, he's one of those guys that could surprise people and be like a important contributor off the bench this year. Uh, he's also one of those guys that maybe is getting a little hype and his time is, is, is coming in the future. Well, we had some unexpected technical difficulties at the end of this one. So I'll go ahead and do the sign off solo. So thanks everyone for listening. As always, it's a pleasure to, uh, chat at you guys um you know about our favorite sports topics and it was particularly fun for me to talk about duquesne this episode so i just want to say thank you uh, and i appreciate you listening and uh looking forward to talking to you again next week